You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. This week for special episode number 50, we're joined by Drew Way of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Drew is an analytics guy and a draft prospects guru, and today he's going to tell us who the Rangers should target with their selections on July 23rd and 24th, which is when the NHL draft is going to be held. Thanks for joining us, Drew. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, proud to be on your landmark 50th episode, and uh, clearly you guys have been listening to Ryan too much if you're calling me a guru on this stuff, but <laughs> thanks for having me on. We actually had Ryan on a while ago before the season even started, and that was uh, a good time. We had Greg yep. on as well. And that, that sucks for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways, before we get into it, Drew, I heard you're, are you metalhead? Yes, I am. Oh, yes. What's your favorite band? Linkin Park? No, get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> hey. I, I, I would say, I, like, I mean, it's hard to say what's your favorite band, but Children of Bodom is, was a go-to of mine for a while. And, and when Alexi Leno passed away earlier this year, that was one of the tougher celebrity deaths that I've I've come across um when I was a kid in high school and stuff I loved Pantera uh, Lamb of God was one that you know I, I was into pretty early on if you talk like new metal Mudvayne's probably my favorite of like the new metal bands um gotcha. if you want if you're talking like power metal the band Sonata Arnica is another one that I've always liked a lot and I got my three-year-old son into them and got him like <laughs> headbanging and shit in the car <laughs> start him young that's good that's good i love that music um of course lincoln park's my favorite my favorite band (laughs) one of my favorite albums ever no chester was a great vocalist and obviously uh you know rest in peace to chester but uh it was uh you know it's uh, i like lincoln park back in the day but i'm more like uh you know into like i guess like heavier european style metals gotcha i understand yeah yeah all right anyways to the meat of the podcast, we'll redirect ourselves. Who should the Rangers target in this year's draft? Who, who are your favorite prospects? Jack Eichel. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I mean, obviously, if you talk, if the Rangers, if yeah, if people have asked me, like, what do I think the Rangers are going to do or whatnot? And I'm not an insider. Like, I, there are a couple people that are connected with the team that I, speak with and every once in a while they feed me stuff usually after the fact not so much before the fact but I mean when you look at the Rangers situation their pipeline you don't want to look at the current roster when you're talking hey who should they take because when you're talking to pick outside of the top five really you're you're most likely looking at a guy that's not playing for two to three years and so much can happen in two to three years but when you look at the pipeline and where they need help prospect wise like you know, center is the pretty obvious hole. And, you know, luckily the Rangers are in a good, pretty good spot where there are, you know, four to five centers that I have a, a tier, like my tier two of my rankings going from 11 to 15. And I would, you know, bet the house that at least two or three of them are going to be available when it, you know, the Rangers are on the clock at 15. And those guys, and just to, I guess to take, take a little bit of a step back, the way I do my rankings are the tiers are far more important than the actual numeric ranking. Um, the way I look at it is, you know, you always want to go best player available, right? But when you're on a tier, in theory, any of those guys can go in any order. So that's when you consider right. things like need and fit and situation and things like that. 
Um, but yeah, my, like I said, my tier two has five centers, all of which, any of which I'd be thrilled if the Rangers came away with. And those are in order, Cole Sillinger, Chaz Lucius, Atu Ratu, Mason McTavish, and Fedor Svechkov. Okay. And what makes, what makes like those guys stand out from the, the lower tiers? What you have yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, keep in mind, first of all, like keep in mind with this class, like it is a weak draft class. That's not hyperbole or, or some like rhetoric that like the media is running with. Like this is legitimately a pretty weak draft class. Next year's draft class is, is absolutely loaded, both at the top and throughout. But relatively speaking, this, this is a weak class. This is fairly similar to what was it? It was 2017 was the class with, you know, ends up looking good now because Makar and Pedersen have been so good. But from top to bottom, you know, there were a lot of, question marks about that class and this one is similar but with with this tier they're actually pretty different players um Sillinger and Lucius are goal scorers and shooters um Sillinger has probably the best snapshot in this entire draft class and um yeah he, he doesn't get a lot of assists and a lot of it's like if you're looking at some of his um you know different metrics and stuff he, he doesn't he's not a big passer but if you look at the Rangers now like they, they have plenty of playmakers, plenty of passers. What they need is a guy that'll pull the trigger. And so, right. you know, Sillinger has, like I said, arguably the best snapshot in the class and, and a pretty decent overall game. Chaz Lucius has probably one of the best overall just like scoring tool sets. Um, you know, he, he's decent, you know, six foot, you know, 175. So like decently sized. He's not afraid to go to the net. He's got a pretty good motor. If it was, he, he was injured a lot this past year. If it wasn't for the fact that he was injured a lot in the beginning of the season for the USN uh, t- for the U.S. development program, he probably would be, you know, pushing top 10 in most drafts, but the injuries kind of kept him back a bit. Atu Ratu is a guy that two years ago was the consensus clear-cut number one draft pick in this wow. class, but he's had two under, he, he had like a near historic, like 16-year-old season playing in the Finnish Pro League Liga, but his past two years have been pretty disappointing. Um, but I think he's got an overall very well-rounded game. And, and like, I kind of think his floor is like, a, well, not, I shouldn't say floor, but like his most likely outcome is kind of that of like a, a Derek Stepan, where it's like, he's not a burner per se, but he's probably a better skater than Stepan was, but he's got a good overall game, a good, just like feel for the game, decent shot, good playmaking ability, good in his own zone. And you have Mason McTavish is a late riser early the season. He was sort of a late first round pick. Some thought he was possibly even a second round pick because he was pretty inconsistent in his game. And some had serious questions about his skating. Um, but then once uh, the year the end of the year came around, he was finally able to showcase things uh, at, at towards the end of the year. Uh, he showed that he did make some pretty considerable improvements with his skating, and he is an absolute fucking bull. He's like six two, two ten, and can score from anywhere, and is relentless, and, and is like and has some like physicality to his game. And, and probably he's the most likely to definitely be gone by the time the Rangers Damn. pick. Mm. I mean, I have him at fourteen, but a lot of other people have him in the top ten. And, and I would bet that he'll probably go in the top 10. Um, and then Fader Svechkov is probably the most Rangers prospect of this group in that he <laughs> is a phenomenal two-way player. He's uh, also great in transition, but he does have a good offensive skill set as well. He's not just a defensive center. Some question whether or not he can really be like a top-end, pros- a top-line center. And, you know, when you're talking to a guy that you're getting at 15, like you're probably not drafting at 1C. You know, guys right. that are considered 1Cs almost always go in the first round. But I do think he has that upside. I kind of liken him a bit to um, Anton Lundell from last year's draft class where he doesn't have that flashy skill set, 
but mm-hmm. he is super smart, does it all, has a motor that runs for days, and is fantastic in all zones. You can use it in any situation. That's funny. I mean, I, I, you, you touched on it a little bit, but I'm kind of looking for that player that's that's a little bit not Ranger like. Like, I, I want that sniper now. I, I thought we would have gotten it with Kako, but he's he's starting to pan out more as a, a more two way player, which is awesome. He's developed great, but it's just not what I expected from him. So I really just want that that sniper. Yeah, that yeah. Line. I mean, uh, just saying, like, if for for someone that's like never heard of these prospects before, like just hearing <laughs> about these guys for the first time, maybe some of our listeners are are unaware. Um, we're we're certainly not the most informed on these draft prospects, but just hearing about these guys, I think the ones that stand out to me are from what your descriptions are: McTavish and Sillinger. Because, like Kiriako said, we want the guy that. That's like kind of like a Gabrick that get, that's just gonna pull the trigger, you know what I mean? That isn't afraid to do that. And then, you know, McTavish, I mean, the big centers. Lots of people are talking about, you know, adding some depth in the bottom six. Not saying he's gonna be like a third line center. Maybe he could be a top six uh, forward. Um, it's just something, something good, something a little bit different to add to our pipeline. But go no, ahead. not. Yeah, I totally get that. And and again, I'm focusing on centers here. If you want a guy that's a sniper, that's a wing. Matthew Coronado is a guy from Chicago in the USHL, which is just like a prospect factory now. And, and he um, put up crazy numbers for Chicago this year and is also in that conversation for like best goal scorers in this class outside of like, you know, the top, top tier guys. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a need for a winger. And, you know, like, I mean, it, it's always good to have some depth on the wing, but we're just mm-hmm. so loaded right now for hopefully for, for years to come with Panarin, Booch, you know, Kreider locked up and hopefully Kako and Lafreniere pan out the way we want them to. But yeah, I, I and with the centers is, is we, we definitely need that. Three, three other centers that I have in the next year, but I wouldn't be upset if the Rangers took it at 15 is you got a kid, Francesco Pinelli, who sounds way more like a soccer player than, than a <laughs> hockey player, but um, he, he's a good, you know, a well-rounded center kind of in the, in the mold of Svechkov. Um, you know, it's got his talent, but it's more known for, you know, sort of a motor gritty all around center that I can see him going anywhere from, you know, 14 to say 25, um, and then you have a kid, Mackey, uh, Sam Oskovich, I believe is how you say his last name. He also plays for the Chicago team with Matthew Coronado, who is a pretty gifted goal scorer uh, that plays center. And then uh, one of the most polarizing prospects in this class, Zachary LaRue, who uh, is a gritty, mean, but also highly talented center that plays for Halifax. And, and he's someone where if you're just talking pure talent wise, he, he's probably in the argument for top 10 in this draft class but he got suspended like four times in like, in like 30 games this year. And he, he's not, and people are like, Oh no, he's like Brad Martian. And it's like, <laughs> maybe. And, and, and you'd love that. But uh, he also, there's a greater than zero chance that he's could just completely unhinged. I mean, one of the reasons he got suspended this year is because in a pandemic, he spit on an opponent player. Oh, like, oh. Uh, <laughs> and and there, another suspension he had was there was a big like brawl broke down. He was like one of the last people in to just pile on and pummel someone. <laughs> and like he's in, if you're talking like, hey, I want the Rangers to add toughness and grit, but also have a skilled player. Like he's at the top of your list, but he's you know he, he might be legitimately psychotic so he's looking like an so he's looking like an arizona draft pick right now so you're telling oh, me uh, i'm not gonna i'm not touching that one with a pole, but it's hey if, if you're of the mindset that this kid is 18 years old and you sit him down with maybe a sports psychologist a therapist and some good 
professionals around him. Like, again, he's a super talented kid, but you definitely need a good support system around him if you decide to pull the trigger there. Honestly, I'm totally cool with the Rangers trading back, getting some assets, and then also taking one of those names I just said, because any of them can probably be available around 20 as well. And so if you can, like, trade back, pick up maybe a second-round pick or something, and then still land one of these guys, like, that's the dream of this class, assuming you don't trade the pick for Jack Michael. Right, right. I was just I just wanted to kind of get into that. Do you think it would be like to our benefit to just let go of one of those prospects and kind of trade that pick for a, a, a now player? You know, what I mean, depends on the now player. I mean, if we're again, if we're talking Jack Hucko, yeah, there, there's a lot of players that would trade for him because I know people get turned off by his contract or by the injury but like i mean the injury is obviously a concern and but you know if you're the rangers you leverage that to try to lower the price the contract i view that as like cost certainty and if anything a positive compared to some of the other guys that might be up in a year or two like he he's more than worth the money he's getting paid when he's right and he's playing well um but it's just all with everything it just comes down to the price um for eichel i have no problem giving up you know our 2021 first one of our top prospects a roster player and you know a couple other filler pieces but if you're talking we're giving up Kako lafreniere our first and a bunch of other stuff like no thank you right. um I really like, uh, you know, Thomas, uh, Tomas Hurdle from San Jose. I like him a lot, but he's only got one more year left on his deal. Um, I wouldn't trade for him. It's, I don't think, I, I think the Rangers are going to be good this year, but I don't think they're good enough to be making a rental trade. So, you know, if you can get in touch with this agent, get on a good understanding of what an extension might look like and do, you know, trade for him and sign him to an extension immediately, then I'm very open to trading for Hurdle. Um, you know, I'm okay with taking a shot at Kuznetsov, maybe getting his coke problem under reins a little bit and, <laughs> and getting some pros around him. Um, but again, like I'll make that deal if it's like, hey, Washington, you will retain some salary. We'll give you like a second round pick and, you know, Matthew Robertson or something like that. But just given how he's clearly fallen out of favor with Washington, I'm not giving up a lot for him. Uh, why, why hurdle? Is, like if you get hurdle, like was is that like the end of Strom or, or what's the deal with that yeah so hurdle is like if you take ryan Strom but actually make him good at defense and give him top end skill um hurdle like i like Strom. i don't mean to say that to sound like i'm shitting on Strom. i think Strom <laughs> is a perfectly fine second line center and he clearly has some pretty good chemistry with panarin but hurdle you know we've all seen the skill he has that top end flashy skill but he's also an excellent two-way player. And I know you guys had, had mentioned that perhaps we can get into some analytics talk a bit today. And, it, and when you look at a lot of his underlying numbers and especially the numbers that ice try, attempt to isolate his performance from the rest of his team, he shows really, really, really well in his own zone as well. So not only are you getting like that flashy gifted goal scorer that everyone associates when they hear of Hurdle, he's also at least the past couple of years been a very reliable defensive center as well. So when you, okay, so like defensively, analytically, what does that like kind of entail? Like what kind of stats should you be, are you considering? What are the analytics that us, like, like me and Kyriakos, we don't have no idea what to look at. Like what we yeah. should, we, should we be looking at in that department for defense? Yeah, so first and foremost, like expected goals tends to be the metrics you hear spoken about the most. And, and that's a good place to go to but always keep in mind oh, like listen like i am one of the biggest analytics proponents you'll ever meet i literally spent three months of my life a few years ago creating what i called my hoxie lexicon which is like a ten thousand word piece explaining all these different metrics and analytics like you will find very few people that have put more work into trying to like 
convey analytics in like an easy to understand manner than I have. But I'll also be the first one to tell you that anyone that just simply thinks you can only look at a chart and say, boom, now I know everything about the player is a moron. Similarly, how anyone that thinks that they can just watch a game and know everything about a player is a moron. Mm -hmm. um, and, but so, and the other thing to understand about analytics, so again, you know, part one is it, it's a valuable tool, but it's just a tool. And the second thing is when you're talking about a lot of these uh, expected goal metrics, their models and different sites have different models. The way expected goal metrics work is it's, it, it tries to combine the quality of the scoring chance with the fact that, you know, a scoring, it, it's a shot. So they're weighting each shot attempt by how good of a scoring chance it is. So if you have a guy taking a shot right at, you know, in front of the net, which is considered like a high danger scoring chance, that's going to have a much higher expected goal number than someone blasting the puck blindly from the point. Right. And so one of the ways that you can try to look at defensive numbers is who is has good, you know, expected goals against numbers, which is a fancy way of just saying who is limiting the opponent's scoring chances or high, especially their good scoring chances. And when you look at Hurdle, he, you know, especially over the past couple of years, has very, very strong numbers, especially relative to the rest of his teammates in that when he's on the ice, San Jose is giving up much less scoring chances than when he is off the ice. So that's kind of one of the ways you can look at it. Another number is if, if you look at evolvinghockey.com, so like if you know like the Evolving Wild Twitter account, it's like the, the Youngren twins are the ones that run that stuff. They have a metric called RAPM, and you've probably seen those those RAPM RAPM charts all over Twitter. Right. Yep. Uh, that metric, you know, they are the first ones to say there's no way, at least with the public data we have now, that you can 100% accurately like isolate single player performance. But you know, they they have a pretty decent model that does a pretty good job of saying not just this is how good the player impacts things when he's on the ice versus off, but how he impacts play relative to each of his individual teammates. And when you look at their RAPM data, which is a, a very advanced formula with all these different regressions and shit like that built into it, like he, his defensive metrics, both in terms of scoring chances against and just quantity of chances against are both significantly, significantly positive. Whereas when you look at most of the other guys across his team and a lot of the guys on the Rangers, it's, you know, you're in the red there in terms of the, the scoring chances you're giving up against. And, and again, it's it just, it's one tool. It's you, you want to, you know, watch them a bit, but I mean, let's be real. We're, we're all adults with jobs and shit, right? Like we don't have time to sit here and watch every freaking hockey game there is. And anyone that says they do is full of shit. And so it's like you, you, you marry what you do see with some of these numbers to try to come to these conclusions, and especially because, um, you know, with some people in particular, you know, the eye test can be uh, yeah, ripe with confirmation bias. Like back in the day, like let's use the Dan Girardi examples, like people that wanted to argue Dan Girardi was good. They'd watch the game. They'd call it. They'd pull out the examples of the block shots and the good defensive plays he'd make and say, see, look, Girardi's good. And then the people on the opposite end of the spectrum would look at him, you know, backpedaling poorly and getting burned and see no see he sucks he's a cone and it's just like you know it, it's you can easily pick and choose what you want to use to make your point if you're only relying on what your eyes are seeing right gotcha okay yeah i see i see i see it now i see it a little bit clearer now i just did i never understood how it was used before <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good that's a good point that's a good point because yes i do remember i do remember when Girardi was playing that a lot of people were like oh my gosh what a trooper He's, he's great. I mean, he puts his body on the line 
no matter what. And then it's just like, all right, yeah, he just cost his game five of the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Third star for the other team. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and it's it just – and one thing to keep in mind, too, when you're talking about, like, watching these games is the negatives always outweigh the positives in your memory. And so you'll always have this thing where people will always remember the really shitty plays and sometimes forget all the little things that happen, especially off the puck, too, that, like, contribute to winning plays. And, and that's one thing that, like, if we tie back to some of this prospect stuff I do, it's like, you know, one of the things that is hard about – scouting via video and stuff like that is a lot of what makes a player good is what happens off the puck and you know when you're relying on just video it's i'm beholden to whatever the cameraman decided he wanted to show me and and i you do have to always keep in mind that you know a, a lot of quality plays and a lot of things you need to be aware of you can't see on the camera because it's happening off the puck and away from the play yeah i mean that's definitely true i think a, a good player will definitely take heed to these analytics and, and want to use them to his benefit because they show a lot of the things that might not be caught on camera, like you said. Um, so that's definitely, but, but then, then the bad players also <laughs> don't want to look at them too much because uh, they kind of expose them in some way, you know? So well, well, that, and often it's just whatever you're used to. I mean, Jeff Merrick has a line where if you just change the word analytics to information, all of a sudden, a lot of people are thinking differently about it. And that's all it is. It's just more information. Every business in the world has different data and analytics and stuff they use to try to measure success of their own business. You know, NHL is no different. And similar to the NHL, you have your some people who are kind of stuck in their old ways and know this is the way we've always done things. And this is the way I've been successful in the past. So let's keep doing it this way. And then you have others who try to bring new ideas to the table and yep, sometimes it's good. Sometimes they take things incredibly too far. And it's, you know, it's, it's again, you got to marry, you know, find the, the gray area and find a common ground in the middle. And, and one thing I can say too, is like, I totally understand how some people just are out on the analytics because of the people that have been pushing analytics the past few years. Um, you know, I, I've got pretty good relationships like with a lot of like the public analytics people now, but you know, I, I am totally understanding of, especially a few years back, like some of the main analytics people were just such arrogant pricks. And like, because of the way they were, I totally understand how that just completely put people off. And that's why like when I, when I started writing with Blue Shirts Breakaway, like I started with analytics stuff first and my main mantra wasn't, hey guys, I'm gonna use this, this data to show you that I'm smarter than you. It was, hey, I'm gonna try to explain why this data is important and how maybe you can supplement what you've seen to you know, just better provide more information on what, what's going on. See, that's the thing. That's what I've been trying to do. Like, I'm, I guess I'm one of those guys that's like, you know, so turned off by the people that are, that are mm-hmm. arrogant. And I'm just like, you know, I kind of turned a blind eye to the, the analytics. I just, I, I, every time I looked at it, I, it just frustrated me because I never understand it. I'm like, I look at this stat here. I'm looking at uh, evolving hockey, their glossary. So like there's offensive mm-hmm. starts here. That's one of their metrics. And then there's on ice face-offs in the offensive zone and I'm like trying to figure out why those are two different stats you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I can't piece that together I'm sure you could explain that to me yeah and 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 like I said like to your point like there are some people that were just like such jerks about everything that I I don't blame you at all for just being like you know what fuck you all like I'm out on this stuff (laughs) one thing I will say is like the evolving hockey guys um 
the twins, they're very good at explaining things if you ask them. Um, I actually, years ago, before they really got like sort of big and their site took off, like I used to leverage them a lot with some of the stuff I did and DM them and, and they'd help me a lot. Steve Aliquette is another one where I've DM'd with him a bunch and he's been incredibly helpful. Um, one of the, the most, if, if you look at like the Google analytics on like the Blue Shirt Breakaway site, far, far and away, the number one piece we've ever done is I put out in uh, a beginner's guide to goaltender analytics a few years ago. Um, and Steve Aliquette helped me do that. Like I was awesome. messaging him a few years back, you know, I, I wrote it and I kind of just shot him a message like, Hey, here's sort of what I wrote. Can you take a look at it? Let me know if I'm missing anything. Mm -hmm. And he's been incredibly helpful. And, and it's guys like that that can, you know, even though like Steve Aliquette, everyone in hockey knows who he is. He's a studio analyst. He, everyone, except for like the, you know, certain jackasses on New York Rangers Twitter who are going to go unnamed right now because I don't want to give them attention. Like <laughs> most people really like Aliquette. And it's like the fact that this guy will still take the time out of his day to like sit down and help other people. Like he, I've never For met sure. him. He didn't know who the hell I was. And the fact <laughs> that he took the time to lend a hand, like I'll always be appreciative of that. And, and others like him, that'll take the time to do that. Yeah. He seems like a super down earth, nice guy. Um, I wanted to ask though, I mean, you might not know too much, but I, there are definitely a lot of old school hockey minds still mm -hmm. around the NHL and stuff like that. Do you think there are any scouting departments that don't really use analytics to their advantage too much and kind of give them a blind eye? Well, every team has an analytics department. It's just a matter of how much the GM is going to leverage it. Um, you know, some teams will have an analytics department. They'll put out their reports. They'll hand it to the GM and the GM will in essence light it on fire. And there's <laughs> other teams where, you know, they are extremely serious about this and, and, and take it all into account. I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes are one, excuse me, um, they have, you know, Eric Tolsky is a guy who started in the public analytics sphere. And now he's got a very prominent role in the front office of Carolina. And he's, you know, from everything I've heard and read, he's been a huge reason behind some of the moves they've made, like going out and getting Dougie Hamilton and a lot of the draft picks they've made that have been great since then and stuff like that um buffalo just hired a guy uh i know his last name savage uh apologize <laughs> for his name but he was you know a prominent public analytics guy who pittsburgh had for a few years and buffalo just went and elevated him to you know a more prominent like vp position and obviously like buffalo's not the hey look at them as like a way to be successful but it just shows <laughs> that you know they're cutting back on a lot of their staff. And so it looks like Buffalo's trying to say, Hey, let's do some things different. Maybe we'll go the more analytic route and maybe we can find an edge there. The Colorado avalanche are a team that's more pretty notorious for being heavily, heavily invested in analytics. And, you know, Joe, Sa uh, yeah, Joe Sackick is a, you know, he's, he's an old school guy. He was a player. He played the game. He, he does a lot of his decisions by like sort of his gut feel, but he also, Again, like I was saying before, it takes everything into account. He uses the analytics to marry what he's seeing, to marry what his traditional scouts are seeing, and puts it all together to make his decisions. And, you know, it's no wonder why Colorado has been one of the more successful teams the past few years. Vegas is another team that's been um, known as being one of the more heavily analytic-based teams of the past few years. Um, but, you know, I can cherry pick these good examples, but then you can also look at the Florida Panthers a few years ago when they went the full analytics route and then sucked and fired Gerard Gallant for no reason and made him take a cab out of the, the arena. So it's, you know, it, there's both sides of the coin there. Um, so th that's a long way of saying, yes, some teams use it. Every team has an analytics department of at least one or two people. Different teams leverage it differently, but you do tend to see that generally speaking, the most successful teams have a good scouting department, you know, both of traditional scouting, but also have a good analytics department. And again, going back to it's 
you got to marry both of them. They're both very important to giving you the full picture of what's going on here. Gotcha. Weren't the Rangers like up until like recently, they weren't too analytical in their, in their department. Um, that's yes and no. I mean, it's been exaggerated. Like they've had a team of about four people in their analytics department for a while now, and they do all their own analytics. So some teams will outsource a lot of data, like Steve Alicat's company, ClearSight Analytics. They are a third-party data company that will sell their data to minor league teams and pro teams. Um, a lot of the public data relies on NHL shot location information to kind of put together pieces of the puzzle. And that's not always accurate, um, especially with MSG. Actually, MSG has been pretty notorious over the years for having a pretty terrible shot location counter yeah, I, I remember hearing um, that yeah yeah and and um and so a lot of the public data they have to adjust for arena bias and stuff like that because of that these private companies pay people to actually sit there and do it themselves and track all of it and, and so um you know some teams will outsource that and buy this private data and go that way other teams do it all themselves the rangers have done it all themselves for the past few years they have a team of people who it's their job to track all the different metrics that they're looking at, whether it's like zone entries, uh, you know, ex they have their own expected goals metric. Every team values expected goals. Just a lot of the teams use the private data, which sometimes is fairly different from the public data, because again, the discrepancies and shot location and shot type and different things you can track. Um, public models tend to struggle to account for the fact that like if it's a cross ice pass where the goalie has to move a lot before the shot, a private company can account for that much better than a public model. That's just mm. kind of like scraping the data from like the NHL right. shot location data. And, and so all that are like different things get baked into it. Um, Jeff Gorton was always very open to analytics, but again, it wasn't the end all be all. He would take into account what his scouts are telling him. He would take into account what the analytics department department was telling him and then go from there. And you can see it in some of the moves he's made. I mean, went out and got Jack Johnson. I can guarantee you the analytics people had no fucking say in that move. Um, but then in some of the others, but then some of the other stuff they've done, you could see that clearly, you know, they had analytics in mind, especially with certain like like Colin Blackwell was an example, I believe, that before the season, like typically perform, you know, his analytics spoke better than just his on ice performance or his box score metrics. And you know, we saw this year once given the opportunity, he, you know, he was quite good. So it's you know, you, you could tell there was a balance there. Glenn Sather, though, has no time for analytics. And it's just like, let me light my cigar and say, oh, this guy can beat up that guy. Let's go <laughs> Glenn Sather has like, also uh, been around since before analytics was even a concept on the drawing board. <laughs> Glenn Sather has been around before fucking hockey was a concept on the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I can't. I don't even want to get into Glenn Sather because I just like for like i just hate him for no like no reason i've never met the guy probably like <laughs> like i don't i just don't like him like, well, I, at all i like him and again i understand like i don't like some of the moves he's made over the years but if you want to look at the reason why james dolan has been kept at bay relatively speaking for so long relative compared to the knicks it's it's glenn sather and it's glenn sather's literally not exaggerating he's literally a father figure to james dolan yeah. whatever glenn sather says james dolan will do in terms of the hockey operation so um you know obviously like people are blaming dolan a lot for what happened this offseason he doesn't do any of that without glenn sather's voice in his ear but on the flip side like the reason why the rebuild was allowed to happen and all this patience has been allowed over the past few years is because glenn sather told him no this is the route we need to go now um, so you got to kind of take the good with the bad with, with Seder. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm surprised even had a hand in the rebuild. I feel like he would be totally against that. But nothing I mean, would have happened with the Rangers the past few years without at least his tacit approval. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I was that's gonna, fair. I was gonna say maybe James Dolan wasn't an analytics guy. Maybe he was an eye test only guy. That's why he got rid of Jeff Gordon. But uh, maybe it's not. <laughs> Dave Dolan, I'm telling you, Dolan wouldn't make a single hockey decision without at least consulting Glenn Sather first. I, I'm not exaggerating when I say Sather is literally a father figure to him. And, and what, in, in terms of the decisions Dolan makes, it, it's more or less, you know, Sather is the most trusted voice in his head. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you're right. You have to take the good and the bad with that because Dolan would definitely make some bonehead decisions like we've seen with the Knicks. So, Oh, don't get me started on the Knicks. I'm a yeah. big basketball fan too. I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh okay. my God. <laughs> okay. All I right, like well, all the old New York teams. Give me, I got like Yankees, Giants, Knicks, and Rangers. Okay, okay. Well, we got one in common. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you, you Mets, Jets, and Rangers? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I do like. Boy, the, what a, I like the. I technically <laughs> I like the Knicks, but I don't want. That. I feel like that just what doesn't a, go. Like I feel like the Islanders miserable. always go with the Mets and like. Wait, wait, wait! wait. Let, him, let him finish. Let him finish. Go ahead. Go ahead. You I finish. feel like I feel like it's always Islanders, uh, Mets, and Jets, and then it's Rangers, Yankees, and Giants. That's always the association I've thought of, but that's or fair. Yankees, Giants. <laughs> I I give you credit for. I mean. Joe, how old are you now? I mean, look, I know I'm not on camera, but I see you are. You probably look a little bit younger than me. So were you like 27, 28? I'm actually about to turn 21. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, you've just had a miserable sports existence. Man. You're too young to know the Rangers winning the cup, and you're a fucking Mets fan and a Jets fan. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got crap for it in school. But you know what? The taller the mountain, the sweeter the victory. When it happens... I'll be happy. If it I, happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, when? I was in high school as an Eagles fan, and every year they, when they choked, it was just like, you know, you hear the same story from him. My gosh, they're never going to win. They're never going to win. And they finally won. And my gosh, it, you just look, the look on his face was just, was priceless. So that's yeah, the Mets, and, the Mets and Jets are cursed, though. So, well, the, yeah, I'd say the Jets are cursed. I think the Mets are, are starting to come out of it a little bit. New now England. they are. I'll, I'll say, I, I, admittedly, I haven't followed baseball as much this year as in years past. I'm generally speaking, the way I do baseball is NBA, NHL season ends. Okay, now I jump into baseball. But the Yankees, are, they don't suck, but they're just, like, so boring this year that it's hard to get into it. But from everything I've seen, the Mets, I mean, you got the Gronk, you got Lindor, and you're legitimately turning the corner. See, this is why you have Greg on, to talk about this stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, have, having Greg on was good. That was that was good. He was he he was uh he was a good guest. He was a good guest. Uh, let's He's a good guy because he he catered uh, to, he catered to what like you know what I like too. You know. What yeah. I mean? I, I'll say this: Greg and Ryan are both in real life exactly what you would expect them to be. Um, love them both to death, and but they they are no different in real life than what you hear on the podcast. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. We'll transition to our last segment of the podcast. So, Drew, I, uh, my parents own a pizzeria. It's called New World Pizza. And, you know, we're starting to do like this new segment on here. It's called like Pizzeria Stories. And um, I mean, last week I was talking about some crazy story where some woman from Minnesota accidentally called and thought she was ordering from another pizzeria and <laughs> her order like an, after, an hour after she ordered. That was fun. But this week, some customer, she walks into the store and um, she's like talking about like the Tampa Bay game and like Ross Colton. 
And I put, I had the game on or whatever. And she's like, Oh yeah, I know Ross Colton. I'm like, what? <laughs> like she's, she's like, yeah, I'm friends with Ross Colton. I'm like, what? He plays for the lightning. He's in the finals. And I look him up. He's from Robbinsville. And I don't know why, but I completely missed an opportunity to be like, can you like send him my way so that we can like get him on the podcast? <laughs> I didn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, Kiriakos, you could be pissed at me or whatever. <laughs> I'm, su- I'm sure. I'm sure he's got his hands busy <laughs> at this point. Yeah. So by the time this thing airs, by the time th- by the time this thing gets published, you know, you know, Tampa Bay could be lifting. Might be up. a Stanley Cup champion. It might be going back to back. So, Joe, you are, not to cut you off, but you are, uh, you, you live in Jersey. You have a very Italian sounding last name and your family <laughs> owns a pizzeria. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure I had that whole street. <laughs> yes. You're 100% right. Are you, are you as pumped about the, the Soprano prequels, uh, prequel trailer as I was when I saw that come out? When I was little, I wasn't allowed to watch the Sopranos. I, I was told Yo, to go upstairs God, in my room. I'd never Christ. seen Christ, fuck I, you. When I was little, I was, I can't believe I'm 11 years older than you. I'm going to just like hang out. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I had to, yeah, I have a little bit of fun on this stuff, but anyway, sorry. What, what were you getting at before I rudely cut you off? No, no, I was just, I was just saying like, you know, um, with, I, I just missed an opportunity to get Ross Colton on the show or whatever. Um, and I mean, she walks out of the store and I'm like, I'm still sitting here gas. Like this guy lives in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Right. Like my So God. where in Jersey are you? I'm in central Jersey. So near Princeton. So you're in the part of Jersey that doesn't exist. Basically. Yes. Like, okay. Is it pork roll or is it Taylor ham? We're going to do that. <laughs> no, I don't care. I'll, I'm, I live in Jersey, but I'm from New York. So I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. I, I live in, Ber- in Bergen. I'm from New York Bergen too. Yeah, I grew up in, people call it upstate, but I live in Orange County. It's like 45 okay. minutes north of New York yeah. City. Okay. But, you know, people from, but people from the Long Island call it upstate because they're idiots. But um, no, I, uh, I now live in Bergen County, New Jersey. So I'm trying to ingratiate myself in all of it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I I, uh, I grew up in Bayside, Queens, and I, I went, I go to school now in Jersey with Joey. So I got kind of had the same treatment as you. <laughs> got to so learn all the, the Jersey you're stuff. You're only tw- you're only 2021 20, too, then, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have said no when you guys asked me to be on the podcast, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Where are you guys going to school? We tricked you. We, we go to Stevens in Hoboken. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually used to live uh, when my wife and I got married. We lived down right near Hoboken there. So oh, nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah, no, it's a it's an awesome place, especially for a younger crowd. So yeah, no, it's super fun Lots there. Stuff to do there. Uh, okay. Anyway, so what, what we're saying, you were saying we we're going to pivot over to this last segment here and questions you had, or are we just going to have Joe ramble on about his parents? <laughs> <laughs> I've, Not- I've just been working every day, and like yesterday, it was a Monday. So like we're recording this on a Tuesday for for listeners at home, wherever you're listening, Spotify, whatever. At some point, we're going to throw an ad in for Anchor. That could be like right now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. <laughs> um. Anyway, so. I uh, I just been I've just been working like pretty much nonstop recently and uh, just helping my dad out because I got nothing else to do. It's the summer. Uh, what am I gonna do? Yeah. Uh, so so Joey's been ending off our, our podcast with some pizza stories. So that's how it's been yeah, going. Yeah. So. Um. <laughs> and yesterday was like on Monday. It was just so so busy. It's like every time we sat down, the phone would ring or someone would walk in the store. Like no time to eat at all. That's like, good. That's yeah, good. yeah, exactly. That's a good problem. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, my feet hurt, but you know, <laughs> it's good. This is just yeah, when I was in college, I worked in kitchens and stuff, and I actually was a line cook at an Applebee's for summers in college and stuff like that. And that I can so my point is I can relate to the being on your feet all day long in hot kitchens and shit working, and it, it, it's good though. You should work hard, play hard. Um, exactly. So, so let me ask you guys this then. What, uh, what are you hoping from the Rangers this offseason? Well, for me, in the beginning, I thought we were definitely going to go for a big splash with the Eichel move or maybe looking at Barkov or something like that. I thought we were going to go big, especially after the firings and then <laughs> um, all the kind of shift towards wanting to kind of get that squad ready for, for a kind of cup-contending team. But now I kind of think – um, it's definitely smarter for us to make some smaller moves, fill in the bottom six. Um, if you want to get some physical guys, um, sign a couple guys to some short-term deals, see how they pan out down in the bottom six, um, get some physical guys, and then kind of roll with the squad you got going. If you want to make a big trade, um, shuffle up the lineup a little bit, maybe trade, like you said, like for an Eichel, like w- one of our top prospects, one roster player and, and, a, and a pick and then some other pieces. Like I would be cool with that, but I don't really see the need for us to make a big splash right now. Um, I think kind of filling in that bottom six would be kind of an ideal offseason for me. I'm totally right. fine heading into next season with Zabanajad and Strom as our one and two down the middle. And but if we decide to move for a bigger center like Eichel, I would not be opposed to moving a guy like Heedle or Kravtsov. As much as I hate to say it, because I love Kravtsov and I think he's an underrated, you know, kind of. I think of the prospect group that we have, he's one of the more underrated. I I just like his game a lot. But at the very least, I want to see the Rangers get like Barclay Goudreau, you know, Blake Coleman, one of those guys. <laughs> I mean, because I like the hey, way yeah, I got you. I also want to see. I didn't. I didn't say it, but I want to see Lundqvist uh, at least try and crack the lineup this season. I I, I want to uh, see him in the lineup this season. I don't know if it's going to um, happen, but Nils. Uh, yeah, Nils. Okay. I mean, yeah, Henrik Henry coming back. To, <laughs> no, I mean that was, that, that was in question too. I should have been more specific. <laughs> yeah. So did you guys? So how do you guys feel about our prospect pipeline? Then speaking of guys like Nils Lundqvist, like. So I, I, I've become kind of notorious on Twitter, apparently, because of the temper tantrum I threw last year when we traded up for Braden Schneider. And curious as to, like, how you guys feel about where we're at there. I mean, originally, I was pissed about getting a defenseman, too, because um, I, I thought we really needed that center. But Not, Nothing to do with getting a defenseman. It was it, that defenseman and trading up for it. Oh, really? Okay, okay. I mean, right now, I think that we're kind of stacked in some areas and lacking in some other areas. But 
I think that, especially with this pick, I was thinking about it. I was like, we really don't need to be filling up our, our prospect pool anymore. Like, we have enough guys there. Now we kind of want to move forward. So, I in the like, right, right when we got announced that we got the 15th overall pick, I was like, honestly, like, I wouldn't be opposed to just shelling it out and getting a player that could play right now. But um, I think that, that we're, we're really strong in some areas. I think we can definitely afford to move some of those guys, especially in the defensive end, to kind of get some – uh, to kind of bolster some other areas. But um, overall, I think our, our defense is pretty strong in the pipeline. Our, our, our wings are pretty strong. Um, and our goaltending has been looking good. So uh, maybe fill in like one or two goalies later in the draft and then see what we could do with the center position. But honestly, I'm pretty happy. I think Braden Schneider, from what everyone seems to be saying about him, he seems like he's a pretty damn good prospect. I mean, John Davidson was pretty pumped to get him. But if he... Yeah doesn't end up cracking the lineup, then he's a trade asset. He's a trade He'll asset. Braden Schneider will be an NHL player, uh, but Braden Schneider is exactly the kind of player that someone like John Davidson would love. So my issue with him was this. And again, just to be clear, he's a very good prospect. I'm rooting for him. I will always root for the Rangers over my dumbass takes to be right. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm always a little bit skeptical of guys like Schneider who so much of his game is predicated on the fact that he's bigger and stronger than everyone he's playing against in the WHL. And like, yes, obviously you'd hope that he continues to develop and went to hit the NHL. He'll still be bigger and stronger, but that's a legitimate question mark is will that happen when you watch him play in the WHL? Um, you know, he's got, he's a good skater for his, uh, for his size. He's got decent hands, but you know, he, he's not a great backward skater. He pretty often gets burned by like the more talented kids in the WHL and, and again, that's all stuff you can coach at coach him up and stuff like that. But it just, I just have some questions about how well he'll translate to the NHL. I have no doubt he will be an NHL player. And, and if the Rangers stood Pat at what was it, 21 or 22 was the original pick and took him, it still would have been high for my liking, but I would have been fine for it. But it was just like the fact that they traded up for him. And then they put out those videos later and you see it like 11 and 12 JD was like, Oh, they're going to take Schneider here. I was like, well, they better fucking not if they know what they're doing. Like it's just, you know, it's, it Wait, was just so, disappointing to hear. So let me, I did Keandre kind of fall into that umbrella for you or no, no, no. Keandre was a very raw high upside player. Schneider is someone where I'm, I think Schneider is a very high floor. I am positive. He'll be an NHLer, but I don't think he's, really has top pair potential um i think he, he'll be a great like second line defenseman and if, if he's playing on your third line that's a luxury keandre was kind of an unknown because he was a winger for most or he was a forward for most of his life and then started playing defense so late and and he was like had, had all these raw physical attributes that like jumped off the page and it's just a matter of can you coach him up can he put in the work to learn the defensive side of the game and he has nils lundquist i actually had that was the first year I put out like formal rankings. I had Nils Lundqvist 20 spots higher than Keandre Miller in my draft rankings. And uh, I still stand by it. I mean, Keandre has been great, but Nils Lundqvist, I think, I think it's easier to argue that Nils Lundqvist is the best defensive prospect in all of hockey than it is to argue that Braden Schneider is a better defensive prospect than Nils Lundqvist. And there's like a segment of hockey Twitter that loves Schneider more than Lundqvist. I'm like, listen, it's cool to like Schneider too, but Lundqvist is like, unreal as a prospect right believe now. me joey has been on the lunquish train for the longest time yeah there you go we had stat boy steven on and you know i'm <laughs> really excited at him explaining you know what nils does that stands out from other nhl defensemen and just yeah. so exciting and i get it i know exactly where you're going with the schneider thing 
Does he remind you of Dylan McElrath? No, no, no. Um, McElrath could McElrath could never skate, and that's the big difference. <laughs> is, is Schneider is an NHL skater. McElrath never was. So you're not that worried that he'll difference. turn into that? No, no, I'm not. Like I said, I mean, Mac, I, I'm a better skater than McElrath, and I literally can't skate backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kiriakos is probably a better all-around player because he actually plays. He's, he has to he has to go soon, like for, uh, to, to go play against. Got some, some got some beer league hockey going. Beer league on. hockey. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. That's good. Um, but uh, so I don't want to keep you guys too much longer down. And all of a sudden, I kind of turned the tables on you guys and sort of became the host asking you guys questions. But <laughs> no, nah, we before, like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but no, before we hang out, uh, before we hang up and shit here today, anything else you guys wanted to ask me about, or anything else going on, or no, I'm just we're really happy that you came on for you're the guest for our 50th episode. We went, <laughs> I mean, I, I told Kiriakos before, like you know, we got to keep getting guests on because these episodes they they keep doing well with with all the guys like you that come on we had um some guys from rangers twitter on that's just a, a crazy adventure that's just awesome <laughs> you had andrew on yes sneak peek for, for next week we're looking to get more of the guys on like all at once like that so we, yeah racist thing and like I, i'm really really hoping that it works out and that everyone could come on like that would be great so that's just a sneak peek for everybody. But again, thanks for coming on, Drew. We really appreciate it. And you were very insightful on the analytics department and the draft prospects too. That was good. Way back in the very beginning of the episode. That was good. <laughs> you know, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. I always love coming on and stuff. Always feel free to reach out. And for anyone listening, like uh, I, I like engaging with people and shit like that on Twitter. If you have, if you come at me with insults, you know, I'll, I'll tell you to fucking get lost and I'll break you in half or whatnot. I, I, I promise most people that I'm bigger and stronger and a better fighter than most people that want to sit here and try to like lop stupid shit my way. But no, um, I, kidding aside, like I. I, I truly enjoy like engaging with people. Even like I like when people push back at me, have different opinions. That's the yeah, fun part. Like you never want to sure. be in an echo chamber with just for people sure. who just think the same way as you. And so always feel free to reach out. I, I love doing stuff like this. Thank you guys for having me on. Apologies for the cracks about you guys being so young and stuff. <laughs> you, you both, you're gonna see you both on camera. You do look a little bit older than just like 2021. <laughs> so, um, but no, this is great, man. And thank you. Yeah, for sure. So, so just so you know, uh, just just don't get on Andrew's bad side. All right. <laughs> uh, are you talking to me, Andrew, or Andrew Bashesti? Oh, you, Andrew. You. Yeah. Oh, just say Andrew on my fucking thing on Zoom here. Now call me yeah. Drew. Drew, Drew. Drew. All right. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, see what it is. I use Zoom for work stuff, so it's like Andrew gotcha, on gotcha, that. Gotcha. But yeah, not Drew. <laughs> uh, but no, right. no, guys. Uh, th- this was fun. Thank you so much, and uh, you know we'll be in touch soon. You got it. Till next time, bro. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Stay tuned for more New York Rangers info by visiting boysandblue94.com and our Instagram at theboysandblue94. See you all next time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.